Hey there, and welcome to Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. Thanks for telling your friends about the podcast. We love putting this out for you every week and inspiring meaningful talks in your families. We are your hosts, the Williams family. I'm not Lexi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Justice. I'm Jeremy. (laughs) And I'm Dana. Lexi's not feeling too good, so she's not joining us this week. One of the topics that adults who are concerned about this generation talk about often is the growing number of young people who are dealing with anxiety, and it's a very common problem. I do want to preface this conversation with a disclaimer that the content included in this conversation is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider for any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Our hope today is that if anxiety is something that you are facing or that you encounter somewhere down the road, that this conversation will give you some tools to help you break the ice to get the help that you need for healing. Let's talk about the difference between anxiety and fear. A few weeks ago on Halloween, we talked about fear and kind of addressed the things that we were afraid of. But from your perspective, what do you think the difference between anxiety and fear might be? Well, let's give Justice the microphone on this one. He just finished his first psychology class in college. Mm, look at me. Old <laughs> Fancy. Pants. You're so smart. Uh, so fear is um, one specific thing that makes you feel scared. Anxiety is your brain telling you that you're scared for no reason. And it's it can happen in... It normally happens in like panic attacks where you get an anxiety attack and it's a short period, usually under about 10, 15 minutes. And it's basically just your brain pumping adrenaline through your system and all your fear juices, hormones, I don't know, um, through (laughs) your body. Chemicals. Yeah, responses, making you feel afraid. Whereas a fear is something that makes your brain do that where anxiety is just your brain doing that for fun. Okay, so fear is a response to a present threat, you know, a barking dog. Fear is a response to a stimulus. Anxiety is there's not really a stimulus most of the time. Sometimes one specific thing could give you anxiety. So it's more of a future-oriented fear, something that may happen? Sure. Okay. Uh, Thank you. That was a great explanation. Uh, So since this is such a common experience for your generation to where all the experts are talking about it it's uh you know as i as i hang out with colleagues online i see that this topic of anxiety just comes up over and over and over so without naming any names unless you want to talk about yourself um how do you see anxiety showing up in your generation generation z so especially in school it is very easy for students to get anxious about tests or grades or thinking they're not good enough or parents or just there's a lot of stressors in a growing teenager's environment that can cause this anxiety disorder. You just see that in teenagers just you can tell when someone has anxiety because they like look older than they are which is really weird because they still look young but like they just have this like stressed out look to them they might 
be losing sleep over anxiety. So they'll have like bags under their eyes and that kind of thing. There's a lot of physical aspects. And then there's also the mental aspect where they're just drained emotionally, physically, etc. <clears throat> from all of their different activities, school, sports, yeah. bloody bloody. And so that pressure is coming from parents and educators mm-hmm. or, okay. Yeah. I uh, mean, there's a lot of pressure coming from everywhere. Yeah. Family, their superiors in education. Is it, you know, worry about getting into college? Is that part of it or? It's everything really. It's college. It's uh, if they're, which is very possible if they're sneaking behind their parents' backs trying to do stuff that they maybe not supposed to do. That could be a cause of stress and anxiety and it all kind of builds on top of each other. Thank you for telling us that, for sharing that with us. Um, I think that one of the things that uh, that adults need to recognize is that there is there are some things that your generation has experienced than, that are different than the generations that have gone ahead of you. Yeah, there's a lot more comparison with okay. the internet. Oh, yeah. Go talk about that. Yeah, so with Instagram especially, I think I've heard and have seen that that's one of the biggest um, problem makers problem Mm -hmm. it creates it creates the worst problems because on instagram literally the only things that are posted are the best of the best moments all the highlights right so i rarely post just because i don't think my life is that extravagant and i don't have that much to post so i'll only post whenever it's a big deal um or it's a really good picture or whatever um but people who do do post more often are always posting the best angles of themselves they're always posting whenever they're on vacation, making it seem like their life is extravagant. And whenever someone who doesn't do all that much extravagant stuff or maybe just doesn't photograph that stuff and lives in the moment, they might compare themselves to the person who does post a lot Mm -hmm. thinking that, oh, I'm not as good. I need to be better and start to be anxious about that. Very true for your generation, but I would also say it's true for our generation as well. And the generation in between us, millennials, I think they've experienced that too. A couple of things that maybe you don't even see the difference because you've always grown up in a world like a post 9-11 world where the changes to security, that's all you've ever known. You've grown up in a post Columbine world where school safety has never not been an issue for you. Whereas, you know, uh, your dad and I were getting ready to get married when that happened. And so our entire school experience it was it was a safe place other than tornado drills and fire drills and natural yeah, disasters sure. there were there weren't uh there wasn't a threat of people coming to harm us at school uh, and so i think that there's a lot of things just about safety and security that your generation has always had to cope with that maybe our our generation doesn't take into consideration i mean i've talked to to kids in in my youth ministry experience and obviously I have my own kids and talking to kids as a, as a young life volunteer, parents can definitely be a major source of stress for kids, for anxiety. I remember talking to a guy, it's probably about three years ago. He was one of my young life kids and um, he was a senior getting ready to go off to college and he stopped coming to our young life meetings. And um, I was talking to him just to kind of find out how he was doing and what was going on. And he just, you know, all he could think about as a second semester senior was making sure he finished strong so he could get into his school 
which was going to affect his grad school, which was going to affect his career, which was going to affect his ability to support his family. And after talking to him, it was just his dad had put all of this pressure on him to be successful at 18 because if he wasn't going to be successful at 18, he couldn't be successful at 38. Which, for those of you who are listening, is not true. Correct. That is not true. But that's that was the pressure that his right. his dad put on him to say, you know, you have to be successful now so you can be successful in the future. It's probably the same thing that father heard from his father. And that is a generational thing that happens all the time, especially if you're in a, um, you know, this kid grew up in a neighborhood that was pretty nice and his parents were well off, but they were the type of people that worked all the time. And, you know, so they just had that mentality of just kind of fighting for for everything and, and being successful as early as possible. And he was just really stressed out and weighed down by that. I think that pressure doesn't start just when you're a senior. I've noticed it with kids who are younger and uh, parents who pressure, uh, put pressure on them to excel in a sport or even through the, through the educational system there, they start, you know, and I think that the intention is good, but they start telling eighth graders, you need to pick basically a major for your high school experience. And yep. And uh, when Justice came up into high school, I remember talking to the theater director, uh, and he was a football player at the time and was just getting interested in lacrosse. And it was pretty clear that in high school, you were almost going to have to, or that you were going to have to select a focus for your extracurricular activities. And, and that's a different experience than I think that um, Jeremy and I had growing up because those years were for exploring and discovering what you wanted to do. And you didn't have to specialize and become the best of the best in order to secure your success for the future. Right. And so college and high school are both very, very competitive at the moment, which they always have been. But like right now, I feel there's just a whole nother level. So with sports specifically, I know lacrosse, so I'm going to talk about lacrosse. Fair enough. NCAA about two years ago wrote a law saying that coaches in NCAA schools could not talk to high school students unless they were in their junior year, which before NCAA coaches were going to the seventh grade level looking for new recruits, which two years ago now they say, nope, can't do that. You have to wait till their juniors so that they can focus on other stuff, being students Mm -hmm. before they're athletes stuff like that it's helping with the stress for sure for those student athletes but like that just shows you how much stress is being put on these young kids if two years ago college athletes were going to the seventh grade level to try to recruit college coaches yeah like those are 14 or 13 14 year old kids Mm -hmm. right Lexi's age yeah exactly when they're not even gonna be in college for another five six five or four years yeah what uh what kid that age is ready to make a decision like that i mean even yeah. as an 18 year old that was a, a oh man decision. that was such or a 17 year decision. old in high school especially there's so many decisions you have to make because at my at my high school you had i had like 300 choices for courses that i could take for to fill up the six slots uh-huh you had 200, 300 choices of just random courses, and you had three that were like specific to your track that mm-hmm. you had to take, and then the other three. So you've got that on top of 
what college am I going to? What college am I going to apply to? Right. Who am I going to talk to from that college? How am I going to go about uh, making the essay for writing to this college? What college am I going to visit? And then while you're still making those decisions, you have to decide which homework you have time to do, et cetera, et cetera. Can I even go to practice, et cetera? It's just a whole bunch of little decisions that add up to big stress. Sure. Do you think that there was much room for students at your school to choose something other than a college track? So I think my school is very progressive in this fa- in this sense okay. where we had welding classes. We had our agriculture classes. Okay. Now, while we did have those kind of trade classes, it was still kind of college oriented as high school always is just like preparing you for that higher level of study. Okay. So culturally it was more oriented toward college. Right. And I mean, that's offered that's, other things. That's the job of high school um, to prepare you for college. I think, okay. do you think it's different? I don't know if that's necessarily the purpose of high school, although it's, it, it should, should be, be to for college bound students. Yes. But it's, I do think it should prepare, prepare you for your for next step. Life. Yeah. Right. Whatever your next, whatever step your is. next. I think that's what it should be. I don't think that's always what it is, especially in public school Okay, being, or even more so in private school. Cause if you're going to a private school, you're the assumption most is you're likely going to, going to a prep school, which is prep for college, college, which yeah, that's a whole different story. I don't know enough about that, but in public high school, it's preparing you for your it's supposed to be preparing you for your next step, which for a lot of students' cases and what's assumed by the board's case is college. Okay. Unless you're getting your GED to go into the workforce. Okay. Fair enough. And that's kind of what I assumed your answer would be, that uh, that, that leaning was toward preparing kids for college, whereas in generations previous or in prior generations, there may not have been the assumption that every student would do that, that some students would be college bound, but not everyone. So do you I think, think that's common. And maybe this is different around the country. Obviously, we live outside of the Houston area. Houston has a high demand for professional trades or, or professional jobs, which are like engineers and chemists and doctors and that sort of thing just because of the nature of the businesses in Houston with oil industry being huge here, the medical industry being huge here. Because I don't remember like growing up in North Carolina, obviously I graduated from high school um, years ago. and uh, (laughs) (laughs) I remember it just being assumed that some kids were just going to leave high school and get a job. Yeah. And, and, And now that just doesn't seem like an option. My, my scope is limited because we've lived here for the last 20 years, but I wonder if that's has to do if it's different around the country. Well, hey, let's just leave that to our listeners to tell us what do, yeah. what are you guys experiencing. Uh, go ahead and comment at us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or in the comment section of the the blog post that this podcast goes out on. We'd love to hear you know what's your experience like. What are you guys uh, feeling in your in your parts of the world? So let's actually kind of turn a corner here. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the problem of anxiety. And when a student experiences anxiety, what can the teenager themselves do to ex- address that? Talk about it. Oh, yeah. That is the biggest thing you can do to help. I'm very bad about this. <laughs> I hate talking about my feelings, so I rarely do it. But when I do, it does help a lot of the time. 
Really, it just depends on who you're talking to. If you feel comfortable telling your parents that you feel like you've been experiencing anxiety, go for it. Like, that's a huge help. And if it gets to the point where you think you need professional help, talking to a professional would definitely help, without a doubt. Absolutely. And your parents can help you get that. Yep. And I think that just maybe a preventative measure could be just really trying to temper the pressure that you let yourself and other people place on you. Understand that the choices that you make at 18 are not necessarily going to affect your the rest of your life. You know, obviously you always want to make the best choices that you can, but if you choose the wrong school and you need to end up transferring, or if you go to a uh, vocational school, or if you go and work for UPS, like none of those things are, are going to be lifelong decisions. It's it's not a not a huge deal anymore to change. You know, 50 years ago, the job, the first job you got, most people stayed in that industry for their whole lives. That's not the case anymore. People are bouncing between industries. They're, the average tenure at a job is probably just a few years. You know, most statistics are made up on the spot. So things like that. <laughs> Just <laughs> it's because um, people have figured out that they can bounce from job yeah. to job. Yeah. They don't have to make their one decision at eighteen. Yeah, and I think I think for you haven't asked this yet, but I think parents just need to work hard to not place all of that pressure on their kids. For sure. sure. So maybe putting the decision that that the decisions that you make into perspective. Some decisions have permanent and lasting consequences and those ones you definitely need to think long and hard about and make the wise choice. Other decisions are more temporary and they go away or, you know, they have a limited consequence. And so yeah, you may you may pick a college you don't like and then you end up at a different school or you know, things like that. So um, weighing the permanence of your decisions, I think is uh, maybe a good way of helping to eliminate some of that pressure. In the show notes, we're going to link to an article by the Fuller Youth Institute that uh, I just thought was really great. It gives three different uh, steps for students to take. And the first one was to reflect on this reality that you're not alone. You're never alone, that God is with you. And in this Christmas season, that is certainly what the name Emmanuel means, is God with us. And so start there. Second is recenter, getting a a perspective of like where you are and even that reframing about like which decisions are permanent and and things like that can help you. And uh, just knowing that lining up with your values that that is an important piece of that. And then lastly, like Justice said, talk about it. Reconnect is the third step that they give. And uh, I thought that that was really helpful being relational, getting getting into in person with people is good, looking into each other's eyes. All of those kind of things are very, very helpful. So on the other side of things, uh, we're going to kind of turn the arrow on Jeremy and me and other parents. What can parents do to help kids through anxiety? Yeah, I mean, I I just said it, but the first step is not to not to put undue pressure on your kids. You know, you know your own kid. You obviously want them to make wise decisions. You want them to make good decisions for the future. But you also want to make sure that you're still letting them be 13 or 18 or whatever age they are. And, and just, you know, be reasonable with your expectations and with the pressure. And if you see your kids starting to withdraw and, and things like that, you need to you need to lighten up and, and talk to them and let them or, or make sure they have somebody else to talk to because they may not be ready to talk to you about it. The parent-child relationship is such a complex one. Mm-hmm. There's a huge balance and nobody has it right. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, I think that the encouragement that we can give is that uh, if you're working at it, that that that's that's the positive that's, that's the win step. yeah just uh don't give up on that and we want to include in the show notes uh an article from the my friend will hutcherson at youth leadership collective where he actually addresses how parents can help kids or teenagers through despair which is kind of uh, it, it can be an end result of anxiety but i think even these steps that he gives are good preventative medicine Uh, and so i'm going to link to that he talks about making sure that you're spent he uses a an acrostic called a tune and i'm not going to go through all of them but some of the things like jeremy said notice pay attention to what's going on with your kid and spending time together making eye contact um, unplugging and and he uses uh, each letter of a tune to walk you through a process of just being there with your kid and uh, making sure that they know that they are they are not alone and that you you want to help them through that care for your kids like you would care for like your best friend yeah. like if you saw your best friend going through a hard time would you just let them do it or would you actually go and help yeah it's good good advice yeah because I mean that's kind of what you and your kids are you're kind of like best friends just like with a huge age gap whether you like each other or not exactly (laughs) (laughs) i think when this kind of thing is done well you have the potential to become that so yeah i think that's really good advice i think that idea of just making sure that you have put yourself and your kids in a place where even if your child can't talk to you you you've given them other responsible people that they can talk to you know whether that's a youth leader at church or a family friend or or something like that or even a grandparent just making sure that they have people in their lives that they can kind of share themselves with and that will give them good advice that you can trust yeah i think the biggest issue i see between parent child relations is that neither party is open enough with each other Mm. so Open yourself up, tell each other college stories, tell each other the dumb stuff you did in high school, college, whatever. Just be friends with your kid. Like that's the biggest, like, yeah, that's the biggest thing that could reduce stress because me personally, I don't feel I'm going to open up to y'all right here. Um, I I don't feel stress when I'm around my friends. Sometimes I feel stress whenever I'm around y'all because I feel like I have to straighten up if that makes sense. I can't just like be loose and be whatever so yeah i think that can be another stressor is not being open enough with your parents or not being open enough with your kid i think that's a good word a lot of times parents ask me you know should i tell my kid about this thing or that thing and and so your answer would be yeah please do talk about it yes for sure unless it's like something gross but like (laughs) i mean all right so we want to leave you with this Please be sure to visit the show notes. Check out those practical uh, steps for both students and for parents from Fuller Youth Institute and from Will Hutcherson. It's yeah, research-based advice that will help help you uh, navigate through anxiety. And then um, I just also want to wrap this up with this thought of going back to the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, that God with us is this gloriously cozy news that that he came in human form to be with us when we realize that he is coming again and he's going to right all the wrongs he's going to fix all the things that give us 
stress. He's going to reconcile us to himself. Like that gives, that gives hope that can take us through whatever is creating that tension and the anxiety. As we get ready to turn over the lively conversation to you and your family, we want you to consider these verses as you talk. Paul wrote a second letter to the people in the city of Thessalonica. They were being mistreated because of their faith, and they really couldn't be sure of what was going to happen next. So Paul wrote a letter to encourage them. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times, in every situation. The Lord be with you all. With that in mind, here's this week's big question for you to discuss together. If being with one another serves to both prevent and heal anxiety, what are some ways that we can prioritize that this week? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Let's get it.